This past winter, my little brother announced to me that he was going to formal with a girl. He's 14, the youngest in my family. I was crazy excited because now I could tease him forever. And then a couple days after that, he tells me he has a girlfriend. I'm like, the girl you're going to formal with? And he goes, no, different girl. (laughs) Sorry. And he says, the formal girl is just my friend. And I was like, okay, cool. You sure your girlfriend's okay with you going to formal with someone else? And he's like, yeah, yeah, totally fine. Then, like two weeks later, he was like, me and my girlfriend broke up. And I was like, what? Why? Apparently, a third girl who is madly in love with him spread rumors about him being a player. So his girlfriend was like, Ozzy, let's take a break. With all the seriousness of a 40-year marriage. Anyway, Ozzy was heartbroken for like a week. And then he was back at it, playing video games and Snapchatting his life away. Here's the crazy thing. The whole time this was happening, my parents had no idea. Or they had some idea, but they were like two weeks behind, which in teenage years is a whole relationship. But Ozzy's secrets are nothing compared to Najma Sharif's. Do you remember who, like, your first crush ever? Um, wow, uh, I was just a player, I guess. I don't remember. (laughs) My name is Najma Sharif. I am best known for my tweets, but I'm a writer. How old are you? I'm 24. In seventh grade, I had, like, my first thing with a guy. It was 2007, so he wore uh, the, like, baggy shorts and, like, the really baggy, like, Soldier Boy-esque, like, white T-shirts and stuff. And, like, he'd always have, like, a pick in his hair. Wow, how do I remember this? I don't even know. We didn't even, like, talk to each other. Like, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, we're going out now? Okay, we're going out. How do you know you're going out if you don't actually talk to each other? The internet. Duh. Specifically, AOL Instant Messenger, known to the millennials out there as AIM. We'd be, like, messaging each other all day and all night. I do not know what my parents thought I was doing on the computer, but I was just messaging boys, like, day in and day out. What was your AIM username back in the day? Oh, my God. Okay, I think my AIM username was, like, Nedgemalicious1000 or something. But like most middle school flames, Nedgemalicious1000 and her 7th grade boyfriend's candle burns hard and fast. And it's pretty much drama the whole way through its very young, very short life. April to, like, the last day of school is, like, very dramatic. It's hot outside and everyone just gets, like, really aggy and all the drama unfolds, like, the last two months of school. So during lunchtime um, at John Adams Middle School, um, folks would come outside. She meets him at the basketball courts. There's a ton of people around. They're both facing each other, standing under one of the hoops. All I remember is really walking up and then him saying, oh, I need to talk to you. And then I was like, what? And he's like, it's over. And everyone's like, oh. And I'm like, whoa, this is so humiliating. Oh, my God. I cannot believe he embarrassed me like this. You can't even, like, reply at this point because, like, everyone's, like, laughing and, like, sneering at you. So that's that's what I was. I was, like, surrounded by people. It was, like, everyone heard what happened. 
I feel like everyone has a somewhat tragic middle school event in their lives. And for Najma, this was hers. Would you say this was like a turning point for you? I would say, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it made me like really bitter. <laughs> she's laughing, but she's not entirely joking. She made a decision that day that would stick with her for years. I was like, uh-uh, I'm playing all these dudes. I don't care. I'm never gonna like, like anyone again. I was like bumping Cherish. If you remember who Cherish was, they had like the song. I was like playing that all like the entire day. I was like so sad. <laughs> In that moment, I think I learned to like not do too much. Um, but I still did a lot. I just didn't involve like all of my emotions in it. Remember how Najma said a little earlier that she guessed she was a player? This moment is when that started. But it's kind of hard being a player when you're a Somali-American teenage girl growing up in Rochester, Minnesota, and you aren't actually allowed to talk to boys. The locus of the community was the mosque. Um, and we spent a lot of time at the masjid praying, um, going to like Islamic studies classes um, on the weekends, sometimes on Fridays too. So there was just always a divide, like a gender divide in classrooms. Um, and we were like strictly forbidden from like talking to guys in public, basically. Like everything was very stush. On top of that, it's kind of hard being a player when your town is really small and everyone talks to everyone. Like, the anti-surveillance network in Rochester was, like, insane. Like, you could be anywhere in town and your mom will get a call. And you'd be like, how do you know? Like, who told you? You don't know who's seeing you or anything. In 2012, when Najma was 17, she figured out the best way to navigate romantic interactions. And it wasn't very different from middle school. Most of the time, what would happen is... We'd see each other at school and then be, like, really weird about seeing one another because no one ever taught us how to talk to the opposite, like, gender or anything or anyone, to be honest. And then we'd uh, end up following each other on the internet and stalking each other. And then eventually folks would end up messaging each other like, hey, I saw you today. You looked cute. And then you'd, like, start talking. <laughs> and by talking, she mostly means tweeting or messaging, just, like, way more than before. And so that's the system. Essentially, the teenagers of Rochester are perpetually online dating, especially at the mosque during Ramadan, which is apparently a huge opportunity for boys and girls to see each other IRL. So basically, um, most of the time it would be like a meetup spot because everyone would be at the mosque during Ramadan, like everyone. I lived right down the street from the masjid. Uh, I lived downtown with my dad at the time. And I just had a lot of freedom. So I would end up hopping over to the mosque and sometimes praying the entire taraweeh, sometimes not. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at Elias.com slash sweeps. Najma's dad's sick, and a lot of his focus is spent on recovering at home. Her mom isn't living at the house with them, so... Yeah, 
she has some freedom to be out and about and do normal teenage rebellion things, which mostly consists of sneaking around, talking to boys. And she goes through all the hoops not to get caught. But before we completely route her out, a message from Najma. God, my mom's going to kill me, but it's okay. Uh, love you, mom. Okay, so first of all, she and all her friends change all the guys' names in their phones to girl names. So I never had guy names in my phone because I just didn't want, like, a text popping up and then getting in trouble for talking to, like, one of the many Mohammeds in town. Like, who had time for that? I didn't. She definitely sneaks out a handful of times. I wasn't really good about sneaking out. I mean, I did it a few times, but that was always more difficult because you never knew when you'd come back and driving and stuff and whatever. More often, though, it's just easier for her to sneak boys in. I had, like, my room in the basement, and I would just kind of, like, open my window, (laughs) and they'd just slip in. And here's the crazy thing. She gets away with everything. She's so good at hiding stuff and talking her way out of things that she has a near-perfect track record. Her parents even trust her. And on top of all of that, she uses the mosque as her alibi when she's actually going on late-night dates at the local lake. So she always shows up to the mosque looking really good. Wing liner, um, blush, uh, just all that to the mosque. For who? Obviously, it's not for God. But this one night with this one guy, things get a little bit tricky. She's at the mosque for Tharawi, and as usual, she meets up with one of the guys she's been messaging. This particular night, I, I guess we like snuck out early. The coast is clear. Nobody sees them as they get into the car. And the two of them drive straight to the lake. We were pulled up right up to the lake on like one of the sides that's like quieter. There's like kind of like a forest around us. And you can like see like the downtown skyline. And it's like late night. So all the lights are like gleaming on the lake. And it's really pretty. We had, like, a nice Muslim distance between us the entire time, like an arm, like, arm's length distance as we walked and talked. So they get back into the car and they keep talking. I know, I know. I didn't believe her either, but I actually think she's telling the truth. And then next thing you know, I see lights behind us. Red and blue lights. They tell us to get out of the car, and I ended up getting out, and he ended up getting out. One of the cops is wearing sunglasses at night, which is understandably, very unsettling. They pull aside the guy she's with, and they start running his info. Meanwhile, Najma is freaking out. I was, like, really nervous. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get arrested. Like, why would I get arrested? Don't know. Just the worst-case scenario just, like, came across me. The cop with the sunglasses comes up to her next. He asks for her license. And as this is happening, the cops let her date go home. I mean, he was, like, 19 at the time, so... Yeah, he he was able to just go home because he didn't break any rules. I did, though. Since she's only 17, she's technically out past curfew. So he looks at her with his sunglasses and is like, get in the car, I'm taking you home. It was like maybe the first time that I was like, okay, I'm going to get caught now. I'm going to have to explain myself to my parents. So that was really daunting to think about at that time. She gets in the car and he starts to drive. And then, in a moment of blind teenage fear, she calls her mom and puts the phone on speaker so her mom can hear what's going on. I mistakenly ended up calling my mom and hiding my phone when he was talking to me. So she heard some of what was going on. And then the cop starts lecturing her. Like, not just about being out late, but 
also being out late during Ramadan. And this is not like a Somali cop, by the way. Like, this is like some random white dude who was like lecturing me about the fact that like it's a holy month and I shouldn't be doing this. And I was just like, yeah, you're right. Cause I like did not want to get in any trouble, but I also just wanted to like be like, who are you? Like, why are you telling me this? He parks in front of her place and is like, I'm going to have to come in and talk to your dad. And I'm like, oh my God, please. Her whole life, she's been talking her way out of things. This is the time of all the times that she needs it to work. So she starts with her dad. I'm like, he's already stressed out enough, you know, like he goes to the hospital every morning for dialysis. I know this is going to make him even more stressed out. So please, I'm like, you cannot get me in trouble. Then the cop's like, well, where's your mom? I can just talk to her. And Najma says, my mom doesn't live here. And the cop is stumped. So what does he do? He says, don't do this again or I'll have to tell your parents. And he lets her go. She gets out of the car, walks inside the house, and her dad's awake. She completely forgot that she called her mom, and her mom was so worried. She called Najma's dad and was like, what the hell is going on? Uh, My dad's like, wait, what happened? Like, your mom just called me. Like, she just said, I'm like, yeah, I was hanging out with my friends, like, at the lake. We were just chilling, and then, like, we forgot, like, it was too late. And I tell all of my friends, like, in that moment, I text everyone, and I'm like, okay, by the way, we were at the lake, like, for a little bit last night, and uh, the cops came, and then they, like, ended up taking me home because, like, y'all were all together, okay? And, like, they were like, bet. (laughs) And her dad believes her. She gets away with it. So she runs upstairs. Her heart's racing. And just before she falls asleep, her phone buzzes. Her bad boy Lake Crush is texting her. He was like, okay, am I seeing you tomorrow or something like that? And I was like, oh my God, I guess we're doing this again. Who cares if I almost get arrested? They go back to the lake the next day. And this time, they kiss. I never felt any shame around, like, anything I did that I wasn't supposed to be doing, especially, like, talking to boys. I felt more more shame, like, at the thought of getting caught and, like, disappointing my parents and, like, that particular shame. But I also knew I could never get them to necessarily, like, understand, like, my interpretation of what I was doing and, like, I never tried to, like, get them to understand me. And I didn't care to be understood or, like, to explain myself either. I just did what I wanted to do. I just trusted that I'd do the right thing. I mean, in a sense, they they contributed to that by trusting me and trusting the kind of person I am. And I figured, well, if they trust that I know I'm going to do the right thing, then there is no possible way that I could be doing the wrong thing. Do you consider yourself boy crazy still? Not in the same way. I lived with my dad and he was alive and it wasn't until I turned 18 that he passed. So there was like kind of a shift in like me. He and I talked about like everything and My dad put a lot of value in the future and, like, school stuff and, like, um, your dream, my my dreams, really. So, like, he was really there for me and supported me. Even when 
you know, because I was like a lying ass kid and he would always be like, I believe Nudge, my Nudge never lies. And that was the funniest thing ever because I was just like, oh, I'm someone believes me. I don't know why, but getting away with this again. I'm sorry. Let me get away with a lot. <laughs> but yeah, just to always know that someone believes me as like a person, but also like believes in me. That was like something I ended up losing um, when he passed. Because when I think about the kind of guys I was talking to when I was younger, no, just never going to happen again. Like, what? where were my standards? Losing her dad and the trust he had in her kind of changed things. I don't know how to explain it, but, like, I, I grew up with so much love around me. And, like, I saw what I deserved on a daily basis and then realized that I didn't really have to, like, work for it. Like, it was just always there. So in that sense, like, I think I'm more obsessed with the idea of, like, that stability with someone for, like, a long period of time and, like, looking for the kind of support that um, is, like, reciprocal and, like, fun and trusting and just all these qualities that I, like, I would want in, like, a future, like, partner and father, like, of my children. So I thought about it a lot. I'm not the same as I was when I was younger. Maybe it doesn't make me much of a hopeless romantic, but it kind of does because I'm a Pisces and that's what we all are. You can learn more about Najma Sharif on her Twitter at Overdramatique. It's a long way from Najmalicious 1000. Thanks for listening to Tell Them I Am. I'm Misha Youssef. This episode of Tell Them I Am was sound designed by James Kim with help from Mary Knopf and written by Mary Knopf and me. Mary is my producer. And don't tell James Kim, but she makes way better bread than him. I mean, he doesn't even make bread. Arwen Nix is the podcast boss here at KBCC, and she is also our editor. She also rocks incredible jumpsuits. Valentina Rivera and Sean Corey Campbell are our engineers. Our beautiful music is by David Leinard. Our awesome graphic designer is Stephanie Kraft. You can also find incredible illustrations of all of our guests as the episodes release. Thanks to Emin Ahmed for those. You should really see them. Just go to kbcc.org slash tell them or follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Misha Youssef. And since we knocked this episode out of the park, why don't you go to kpccpodcast.org, donate $35, and get the Tell Them I Am light pink t-shirt. And why don't we come back tomorrow?